0: He's open with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter two. We'll be looking at verse number ten. <coughs> Ephesians, chapter two, verse number ten. <coughs> For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we can open Your Word today. I do ask that You would give me wisdom and clarity as as I preach Your Word this morning. Father, we ask for the Spirit's help in my preaching, for the Spirit's help in causing all of us to hear Your Word and to be changed by it. And Father, we do ask that You would save any who don't know You this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we saw in verses 8 and 9 many weeks ago that salvation is a gift from God. It is by grace alone. And we also saw that faith is the conduit through which we receive grace. But even our faith is a gift from God, Paul says. And so he takes great care to emphasize that the entirety of our salvation, including our faith, is a gift. It is not our own doing. It is not the result of works. And Paul ended verse 9 by saying, so that no one may boast. We saw that this is about the glory of God. God is jealous for His glory. He does not share it with others. So Paul is emphasizing that the entirety of our salvation is a gift so that God alone receives the glory. Or if there was anything we could do to save ourselves we would be able to boast. If there was anything we were able to contribute to our salvation, we would be able to boast. If there was any work we could do to bring about salvation, we would be able to boast. But Paul says, salvation is not a result of works. It is the gift of God. So, the question is, how do we respond? such truth. There's a right way and, and a wrong way to respond to salvation by grace alone. But first, we're going to look at the, the wrong way, and then we're going to look at what Paul has to say about this. What is the wrong way to respond to salvation by grace alone? Consider again what verses 8 and 9 tell us. For by grace you have been saved through faith... And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Now some people hear that. And what do they say? This means that good works are not necessary in the Christian life. I don't have to obey God's law anymore because I am saved by grace, not by works. I don't have to do any good works because salvation is not a result of works but is the gift of of God. And when you meet people like this and and you say God actually commands us to do things, they say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's legalism right there. And some would actually accuse Paul of teaching such things. In fact, some have so misunderstood both Paul and James that that they say Paul and James contradict one another. They say that Paul teaches salvation by grace, but James teaches works-based salvation. In reality, the teachings of both James and Paul are precisely the same. James does not teach salvation by works. What does he say? He says that faith without works is dead. And in other words, a true living faith will produce good works. As Luther put it, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. It is always accompanied by works. True saving faith always produces works. A tree is known by its fruit. That is what James teaches. And Paul teaches the exact same thing in our text today. Paul teaches us the proper way to respond to salvation by grace alone. So we're going to examine this text by dividing it up into three headings. And in each of these headings revolve around Doctrine of regeneration. Remember, we discussed regeneration in verse 5. In verses 1 through 3, Paul labored to show his his readers their spiritual condition. That before Christ, they were dead in sin, spiritually dead, following the course of the world, following the flesh, following the devil, not seeking after God. But what happened? We move to verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did He do? He he made us alive together with Christ. God making us alive while we were dead in our sins is regeneration. This is what we call the, the new birth, being born again. The Holy Spirit changing our hearts, changing our very nature. So when we were spiritually dead with, with no hope, God made us alive. He gave us spiritual life. So in verse 5, Paul speaks of regeneration to emphasize how God sovereignly saved us when we were totally incapable of saving ourselves. But now, in verse 10, it's Paul is speaking of regeneration again, but this time to emphasize something different. Verse number 10, we are his workmanship. Create it in Christ Jesus for good works. First thing we learn here is that regeneration is the work of God. We are His workmanship. We are God's workmanship. What is workmanship? One source says it is a creation object, something that has been brought into existence. Mounts defines this word as that which is made or done, a work, a creation. We are God's creation objects, the result of God's work. And what is Paul referring to here? Is he talking about physical existence? Well, that that as humans, we are the result of God's workmanship. Well, certainly this is true. As as the Scripture tells us, we were knit together in our mother's womb. But but when we consider Paul's words, we, we see that he's speaking of something different. Notice he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. This last phrase here tells us precisely what Paul is talking about. He is not talking about those only who are created in Adam, but those who are created in Christ. In other words, those who are born again. Calvin put it this way. When he says we are the work of God, this does not refer to ordinary creation by which we are made men. We are declared to be new creatures because not by our own power, but by the Spirit of Christ, we have been formed to righteousness. This applies to none but believers the context explains his meaning we are his work because we have been created not in Adam but in Christ as Paul tells the Corinthians if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new if you are in Christ You have been regenerated, meaning that you are a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your very nature has been changed, and this is not something that you have brought about or done yourself. This change of nature, Paul says, is the handiwork of God. If you are born again, you are the object of God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And notice here, believer, he doesn't give you a lick of credit, does he? He simply says, we are God's workmanship. Who we are as Christians is not a result of our decisions or works. Who we are as Christians is not a result of a joint effort between us and God. We are His workmanship. We are the creation objects of God's handiwork. The vessel created by the potter cannot take any credit for what it is. The vessel cannot design itself. It cannot get raw material and inform it. Therefore, its entire existence is the result of the work of another. And so it is with those who are born again. You have spiritual life, dear saint, and your spiritual life is a result of the workmanship of God. You are a new creature, a new creation because of God's handiwork. The second thing we learn is that regeneration is through Christ. Notice Paul says, created in Christ Jesus. And as I've already pointed out, this tells us that Paul is talking about spiritual life, not simply physical existence, but it goes beyond that. We have already seen many times here in Ephesians that, that, that Paul, every, every blessing that we receive comes through Christ. Every spiritual blessing is mediated through Christ. Are you tired of Paul saying this yet? How many times has, has Paul said this? We're only in chapter 2 and he, and he doesn't stop. Do you think he's trying to to get a message across here? Without Christ, we don't receive any blessings. Only curses. Without Christ, the only thing we receive is the curse that is due to the lawbreaker. But because Christ became a curse for us by dying on the cross for our sins, we can receive blessings from God, and this includes the blessing of spiritual life. Without Christ, paying for the sins of His people, nobody receives spiritual life. We understand that. Nobody is regenerated. Without Christ, there is no such thing as being born again. We see here we are entirely indebted to the triune God for regeneration. Regeneration. God the Father sends the, the Holy Spirit to, to regenerate us. And God the Holy Spirit comes and, and does the work of regeneration. And God the Son is the mediator by which regeneration of sinful hearts is made possible. For without the work of Christ, God would have nothing to do with sinful creatures. So we see that regeneration is not of us. It is the work of God alone. And it is only made possible through Christ. And in a few minutes, we will see why this is so important for us to grasp. So the third thing we learn here is that regeneration produces good works. Why did God give us spiritual life while we were dead in our sins? Did He regenerate our hearts so that we would continue to live for ourselves? Did He regenerate our hearts so that we would continue to live in sin? Paul says we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were born again through the handiwork of God, for the very purpose of doing good works. Let no one accuse Paul of being antinomian. No one accused Paul of saying that that works have no place in the Christian life. Paul says, you have been born again by God for the very purpose of producing good works. God has brought you from spiritual death to life. so That you produce good works. God has taken away your corrupt nature. And has given you a new nature so that you produce good works. Good works. God has made you a new creature in Christ Jesus so that you produce good works. Let us be clear. Good works do not save you. Good works do not keep you saved. Good works cannot save anyone. They, they can't keep a person saved. But, but doing good works is the result of being born again. Good works is the fruit of regeneration, as Calvin puts it. They don't save us, but it is the fruit of being saved. And this is what James means when he says that faith without works is dead. If a person has true faith in Christ, it is because they are born again. And if they are truly born again, it will show in the works they do. Therefore, if a person professes faith in Christ, but does not produce good works, it is a sign that they are not a new creature in Christ. They have not been born again. Therefore, their faith is not a true saving faith. It is a dead faith which cannot save. Good works are absolutely essential in the Christian life. Again, Paul says, you were born again for this very reason. And by the way, th- this is not a matter of us forcing ourselves to do what we hate doing. It is true that even as a genuine Christian, you will sometimes struggle to do good works, but but good works are part of our new nature. God has not saved us to be a people who, who hate good works and struggle to do them simply because it's the right thing to do. No, God has given us a a new nature which enjoys doing good works, which delights in doing good works, and it is motivated by the free grace that has been given to us. Good works is the proper response to salvation by grace alone. But you know, Paul takes this even further. Titus, he says... That Christ gave Himself for us. That, we might, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people who are zealous for good works. Not a people who grudgingly do good works because it's the right thing to do. But a people whose heart has been so changed that they are zealous to do good works. We are new creatures who have been redeemed from every lawless deed, Paul says. And we are to be zealous for good works. Well, if we have been regenerated for this very purpose, to do good works, and not only that, but to be zealous for good works, then then we better understand what good works are. What is meant by good works? Paul purposely uses a very vague term. Not very specific. Chapter 16, paragraph 1 of our confession helps us identify the meaning of good works. And it does this by speaking positively and then negatively. Positively, our confession says that that good works are only those works that God has commanded in His Holy Word. And one of the proof texts there is Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good. God, God has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? He has told you what is good, what is required of you. What about in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for what? For every good work. In other words, Scripture is sufficient to instruct you and to to help you to do every good work that God requires. This means that we go to the Word of God to determine what God requires of us. And those things that God requires of us are defined as good works. But let us explore this a bit. For example, keeping God's law as a believer... Is a good work. God's moral law is His standard for righteousness. It is a lamp for the believer's way. It it tells us how to please God. In fact, Christ tells us that obedience to the first table of the law is loving God. And keeping the second table of the law is what? Loving our neighbor. This means that I, I show my love for God by obeying His law. And I love my neighbor by acting lawfully towards Him. This is foundational to understanding good works because any work that violates God's law cannot be defined as a good work. If it violates God's law, it is hateful towards God and it is destructive and hateful towards your neighbor. Therefore, it cannot be a good work. But also we should note that that keeping the law is, is not the only good work that God has called us to do. We're not simply to keep the law with some kind of superior attitude, despising those who we believe to be not as good of law keepers as us. As Christians, while keeping the law, we are also called to go beyond that. To be merciful. to Be gracious. To be kind. The law tells us not to steal, kill, not to commit adultery with, not to lie to or covet what belongs to our neighbor. But is that the extent of our duty to our neighbor? No. Scripture takes it farther. We are called to help one another in times of need. We are called to care for orphans and widows. We are called to care for the poor. We are called to be hospitable and to do so with a joyful heart. This goes beyond simple obedience to the law. In fact, the law is often stated in in a way in which it doesn't tell you to do this, it tells you, don't do this. In other words, don't covet, but there's a lot of other things you can do. Don't kill, but there's a lot of other things you can do. Instead of stating it in a more restrictive way, saying, this is the only thing you can do, it simply says, don't do this, but there's a lot of other things you can do. And within that, we, we are called to go above and beyond. Don't simply kill your neighbor. But to love your neighbor in such a way that that you care for them, you provide for their needs, you're merciful and you're gracious towards them. Paul says in Galatians 6 So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Doing good can mean a host of different things. Doing good to your neighbor is evangelizing your neighbor. How do you do good to them? evangelize them. Calling them out on their sin is is a good thing. But taking care of them in time of need is is also a good thing. Promoting justice for your neighbor, defending them when they are innocent is a good thing. Protecting your neighbor is a good thing. There, There are many things that we should be doing. Scripture has much to say about how we are to live with, help, and love one another. There are many good works to do. That's positively. What about negatively? Our confession says works that do not have this warrant, in other words, works which do not come from Scripture are invented by people out of blind zeal or in a pretense of good intentions and are not truly good. This is so important for us today. Do you hear what the confession is saying? Works that are not derived from Scripture are invented by people. And they're not truly good works. Do we have any example of this in Scripture? What about Christ as He confronts the Pharisees and the scribes? Matthew chapter 15, the, the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the, the traditions of the elders? Just, just, just think about that. These traditions are so important that he's confronting Christ because people are not keeping the traditions. For they do not wash their hands when they eat. and This is not an issue of hygiene. This is something ceremonial. It's, it's really a superstition. And, and how does Christ answer this superstition? He, he does not say, well, we better just do it so that we don't offend you. No, that's not what He says. Christ answers them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he goes on to say, For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Pharisees and scribes had had traditions which which did not come from God's Word. They were violations of God's law. But they were calling, obedience to these things, good works. So Christ calls them out on this. For disregarding true good works, such as honoring your parents, and teaching as doctrines the, the traditions of men. Making up good works. We don't get to make up Our own good works. And this is one of the things that is getting professing Christians in trouble today. This is getting many churches in trouble today. Many are disregarding what Scripture teaches and defining good works outside of Scripture. Where do we see such things today? What about this big debate even in Reformed churches for for women to step into the pulpit? All oh, these women, they're, they're, they're called by God to do this good work of teaching. How, can we really hold them back from this good work that they desire to do? Really? Is it a good work if it, if it clearly violates the teaching of Scripture? No, it is not. How about professing Christians supporting homosexuality and transgenderism? I'm doing a good work by loving people instead of judging them. And so they support people in sin in in the name of what? In the name of love. I'm I'm doing good here. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing a good work by loving people. Affirming them in their sin, dear friends, is not a good work. No matter how loving it feels in your stomach, it is not a good work. How about refusing to share the Gospel with someone because you don't want to be judgy? I don't like confronting people with the Gospel. Therefore, the more loving thing to do is for me to not share the Gospel with them. So so here's what I'm hearing here. The good work is to evangelize this person in need. But but I think the good work is to not do so because I don't want to seem judgy in their eyes. Do you see what we're doing there? We're not doing the good works we're called to do. and, And those works... That that are not good, those things we're calling good. We we live in a culture that completely disregards truth, that completely disregards facts. And Christians are doing this when it comes to Scripture. Good works are whatever feels right to me at the moment, not what the Word of God says. That's how we often live. But, dear friends, We must be careful that what we call good works are those things that are commanded by God in Scripture and not those things that that make us feel like we're doing something good even though there's no scriptural warrant for it. We have been regenerated by God for the very purpose of good works. Zealously doing good works. Zealously obedient to all Scripture commands us to do. What is the context of this verse? Remember once again, what Paul is doing in this section of Scripture. He has been showing how salvation is all of God so that God alone receives the glory. And he continues with that theme even now. Even though, listen dear friends, even though God is the one who created us to do good, we have a tendency to do what—to try to rob God of His glory for our good works. Dear Saint, you are prone to pride. You—you you conform one area of your life to Scripture, and, and the temptation to pride rises up almost immediately. After years of living in one particular sin, by the grace of God you overcome it, and the very next day you are looking down on others who still struggle with that sin and saying, are they even Christian? After years of failing, to, to do a certain good work that God commands of us, you finally see in Scripture that, that, that you are not doing your duty before God. So, so by God's help, you begin to do that good work. And the moment you do, pride rises up within you because you are doing something that other Christians around you are not. And, and you think yourself better because of it. Oftentimes, this is why we can't get along with one another in the church. We have too much pride in what we do. I do all of these good works that others don't do. Therefore, I am better than them and they need to be rebuked for not doing the works that I do. And because they are not like me, I can't even worship with this person. And I can't even fellowship with this person. This is how we often think. But when you are tempted to think yourself better than others because of some kind of good work you do, you need to remember why and how you came to do those good works. Remember, you were dead in your sins, following the world, the flesh, and the devil. But God made you a new creature in Christ Jesus so that you do good works. How can you boast about the good works you do when the only reason you do them is because of the handiwork of God and making you a new creature who could do good works? You have no grounds for boasting. You are who you are because of the, the handiwork of God. Not because of your own genius. Not because of your own goodness. Not because of your own discipline. When we despise others, for not doing all the works we do. It's really because we are taking credit for our works. And when we take credit for our works, we rob God of His glory. Paul goes on to show this even further. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have been created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. What does it mean to prepare beforehand? It simply means to prepare at a previous time. In in, In other words, God has stored up good works for you to do. Before the foundation of the world, not only did God choose a people to save, but He prepared good works for those elected saints to do. Now, think about this. As the Christian says, I don't have to do good works. Paul says, God has prepared them beforehand for you to do them. Paul says this another way in Romans. For those whom He foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. God predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ, to live holy and righteous lives like Christ, to live in obedience to the law of God like Christ. But as I said before, good works go beyond obedience to the Ten Commandments. Christ, while on earth, did not simply say, well, since I haven't murdered, since I haven't lied or stolen or fornicated or coveted, my duty to people is done. What do we learn about Jesus in the book of Acts? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Dear friend, you were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ and Christ went about doing good. You're predestined to do this. You are predestined To be conformed to the image of one who went about the earth doing good. God predestined you to, to live life doing good just like Christ. So he prepared beforehand good works for you to do. And not only that, Paul goes on to say that we should walk in them. Jesus went about doing good. He walked in good works. So God has prepared good works for us to do that we should walk in them. Does this phrase, walk in, sound familiar to you? It should. We saw this in verse 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Remember, we saw that to walk in something means to live in it, essentially. It it indicates a manner of living. So, So, God created us. To be new creatures in Christ. Which means instead of walking in the sins in which we once walked, we now walk in good works. Good works are what we do. It's our manner of living. God has reversed this. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We walked in sin and God changed us so that now we walk in good works. John Gill put it this way, God has appointed good works to be done by His people. And it is His will, not only that they should do them, but continue to do them, and not only that, they should do a single act or more, but walk in them. Listen listen to this. Their conversation and course of life should be one continued series of good works. Not a good work here and there, and then living like a demon the rest of your life. One long string good works all has left no room for boasting in our good works i don't care if you are the most generous christian in the world or the most gifted preacher or christian teacher in the world or the most hospitable christian in the world or the best law-abiding christian in the world you have no room for boasting why Because the only reason you do any good works is because though you were walking in sin, God through His handiwork made you into a new creature that not only does good works, but walks in them. And not only that, but the good works that you do are simply the works that God has prepared for you to do before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, God chose to save you. And He chose to make you like His Son. And so He prepared works for you to do. And then you were born in sin and lived in sin, dead in sin. So God made you alive in Christ. He redeemed you from your sin so that you would no longer be a slave to lawlessness. He made you a new creature that is now capable of walking in good works, which He prepared for you to do before the foundation of the world. What can you boast in? What good work can you take credit for? As Calvin put it, works themselves are a part of grace. It is God's grace that allows us to do any good work. Therefore, no man can boast. This does not mean that, that you don't have to strive to do good works. Again, this is not a a call to say let go and let God. No, you have to make the decision to to do good. You you have to resist the temptation to be lawless and, and, and do good. But understand that when you do good works, you're simply doing what God has prepared before the foundation of the world for you to do. And not only do we have nothing to boast of, but this also means that God does not owe us anything for our good works. How many of you believe that you merit something by your good deeds? Most of you said no. Let me, ask you, let me ask it to you this way: How many of you have hardships in your life? Things that you perceive to be tragic or bad, and you think to yourself, Why is God allowing me out of all people to experience this? I mean, I I do more than this person. I do more than that person. I mean, I I do way more good works than most of the Christians I know, and yet yet I'm the one suffering. Let me ask you something, dear saint, if you think that way. Does God owe you something because you did the good works that He prepared beforehand for you to do and enabled you do through regenerating you does he owe you something for that not at all calvin put it this way paul rests the proof that with respect to good works god owes us nothing how so because they were drawn out of his treasures in which they had long before been laid up do we believe that blessing comes with obedience rather than disobedience yes Believing that you should be obedient because, you should be, because, because that's what blessing comes from. is not the same as saying, God, you owe me something now because I'm doing good works. You're simply doing what He has prepared for you to do and enabled you to do. Well, it is clear. We are called to walk in good works. Our lives are to be marked by good works, and and we are to be zealous for good works. And we must walk in good works with humility, and without thinking, our works merit anything. I'll leave you with with a quote for reflection from Ian Hamilton. This is what he says. As God's workmanship, Christians exhibit His love and grace to a world shrouded in darkness. What does the world see when it looks at your life? At your church's life? Our Lord Jesus went about doing good wherever He saw a need. He went out of His way to minister to that need. The Gospel of God's grace has come to make us like our Savior. Does your life remind anyone of Jesus? Dear saints, God is concerned about this because He wants glory for Himself. He has created us to be new creatures in Christ Jesus so that we walk in good works and He receives the glory. When you do good works to those who hate you and they say, when I was so evil and nasty to you, how did you still do good to me? You say, because of what God has done for me. And God alone receives the glory. God is concerned that we walk in this world as salt and light. Why? So that He gets glory from His new creations. Dear Saint, can it be said of you that you go about doing good everywhere you go, that you walk in good works? Is those, are those the words your, your, your family would use to describe you? Would, would, would your, your co-workers describe you in, in that way? He, he's a man or a woman who goes about doing good. Think about that. How would our neighborhood describe our church? Is it a church who goes about doing good? Or would our neighbors even notice if the church ceased to exist because we did no good for no one? Consider these things. God has saved you for this very reason that you walk in good works. And in as far as you are not walking in good works, you are not conformed the image of Christ, who went about the earth doing good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for the work that You have done in our hearts, that You have changed us, making us into new creatures who can do good. Father, we thank you that you have prepared beforehand good works for us to do. Help us to be obedient in doing them. Oh, Father, check our hearts that we would not despise doing good, that we would not be wary of doing good, but that we would be zealous to do what, what you have called us to do and ordained for us to do. And Father, may we walk in such a way that, that those around us would say they go about the world doing good. May the image of this church be one in this community that, that, that it is said of us that they go about doing good. And Lord, help us to search our Scriptures to know what is truly good works. That we would not do evil, call it good, that we would do what is truly good, even if our world thinks it's evil. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.